Yeah. And I think that's the power of narratives, right? It's like hearing the kind of general ideas related to what it means to be a woman or what patriarchy is or what racism is doesn't often really stick with us, right? But being able to hear the narratives of individual people is like one of the most persuasive things that we can encounter. Welcome, friends, to another uh, podcast episode of the Accidental Tomatoes uh, podcast. We are so excited for this episode. Joe, I can't wait to dive into this. Yeah, yeah. So our, our guest for this episode is uh, Alicia Matheny Beeson, who is the host of the Wild and Wonderful Women of West Virginia. Did I get that right, Alicia? The, yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that That is a name. massively long and alliterative podcast <laughs> title. And, I love it. and we love it. Like, I, I, I love the podcast. I love what you're doing. Um, so really excited to have this conversation today and uh, maybe get a little bit behind the scenes of what's going on with 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 your show and some of the excellent people um, that, that you get to talk to. Why don't you just just really quickly, Alicia, introduce yourself to the folks um, and then we'll kind of just dive in with some questions after that. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so as Joe said, my name is Alicia Matheny Beeson and I am from West Virginia and moved away for a little period in my life for school and work and uh, came back about three and a half years ago. Uh, I'm a professor and I assistant professor actually, and I teach um, creative or I teach um, literature and writing classes. And uh, when the pandemic started, I decided to take on a podcast as well. It's something that I've been thinking about for a while, and decided to um, dive more into that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So what was it that inspired you to take? You know, you, you say you kind of, you know, during pandemic, you wanted to take on something new in a podcast, but what, why this specific um, sort of topic, the wild and wonderful women of West Virginia? Yeah, well, my scholarly interests are really related to women writers. Um, my dissertation was on uh, utopian texts written by American women in the progressive era. And so a lot of what I do is related to women and narratives. Wow. And um, I also have a real love for West Virginia. Um, I've always liked it. I, I was never one of those people who wanted to get out as soon as I could. Um, but being away from the state really made me love it more. And I feel like the way that West Virginia is viewed by us who live in the state and people who live outside the state is so varied. I think there's a lot of pride, but there's also a lot of um, angst and a lot of challenges that we have to face. And so I kind of wanted to combine my loves for West Virginia with my interest in women's history and women's work um, with my affinity for narrative, since I'm in the world of English and work with narratives a lot and decided that a podcast could be a good way to easily capture some of the stories of the things that women are doing in our state right now um, and share them out and I've been thinking about it for a long time, but have had no skills in the area of podcasting and still am definitely an amateur, but uh, felt like 
the digital world available to us now, and especially during the pandemic with everyone getting more comfortable uh, with those digital spaces could be a good time to, um, to get that off the ground. And I found that it was really helpful for me because it was such a time where uh, you could feel so disconnected and it gave me a chance to meet new people and who I really admired and could be inspired by. And so selfishly, um, it was a, just a way for me to stay connected and, and meet new people um, in the state when I was kind of uh, stationary in my home. That's great. I love most podcasts, I think, are selfish a little bit in nature, like, like this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love Except the ours. Yeah, not no, ours. Except ours. We, <laughs> every we, other are, we have yeah. died to yeah. ourselves. We have picked up the cross, (laughs) (laughs) but no, like, I mean, obviously it's a topic that you're interested in. So there is going to be this, you know, I want to know more. Um, so that's, I was impressed, uh, just looking over the people you've interviewed or the ladies you've interviewed it. Like, yeah, I, I, I just want to, you know, without diving into it, I would love to be like, how did, how did this one go? How, you know, what was it before you hit record? How, how was this one? You know, when you're doing the chit chat before, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, is that something you reach out? Like, are you, are you looking at people in West or ladies in West Virginia and do you have like a list of people you're going after or is, have you got to the point now where people are reaching out to you and uh, for interviews? Um, I've mostly still been reaching out. I've had a couple people send me ideas for interviews. Um, but I haven't had people reach out wanting to be interviewed. Um, but in terms of how I've gone about that, my first season, I really wanted to pick eight issues that I felt were really important for our state. So I kind of let that guide where I went. And so then I looked for people who are working in those areas. Um, In the second one, I've shifted a little bit to uh, thinking about important organizations in the state and who I might be able to interview. But I've also kind of kept my interest in various social issues and brought that in as well. Uh, but I didn't know how that would go, right? Like how it would go to just email random people and ask them if they would be willing to let me interview them. I didn't know if anyone would take me up on it, uh, but I was really surprised how willing so many people were. And I think it speaks to the kind of environment we have in West Virginia. I mean, we're a fairly small state and I feel like people are uh have a lot of pride. We're kind of an underdog, right? So I feel like it's easy to be like behind something when you feel like we're in it together, I guess. Um, And so people have been so generous with their time and willing to let me uh, interview them. And that's been a pleasant surprise for me. (laughs) What do you think it is about the women of West Virginia, Appalachia that have, that's so important for people to hear? Mm, Yeah. I think that uh, so many of our political figures and our state leaders um, upon a first glance are men. For instance, we've never had a woman as governor in West Virginia, but in so many organizations and in so many ways, women are doing such important work. And I think sometimes um anybody, but I think women can often in particular be socialized to kind of downplay Mm -hmm. the work that we're doing, the good that we're doing, the accomplishments we've made. And so um, I felt like I wanted to elevate that when it comes to West Virginia in particular. um, 
I felt like the women in our state are so instrumental to the changes that we've seen. I mean, when I think about Appalachian women and the kind of figure of like the grandmother who's taking care of the family and doing so much care for so many people around them. Um, I feel like that's kind of trickled down into so many people in various ways and they're extending care to their communities. And I wanted to try to highlight that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really profound statement about that. Um, the, the part about caring for their communities. Um, Cause as I've, you know, the episodes um, that I've listened to like that, that's sort of a theme that, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but it real that's a theme that really leaks out. That's sort of common to all of these stories. Um, even though you're, you're, you know, talking about completely different topics. Um, there seems to be a motivation behind it. That is, this is, this is the work that I do to care for my community. Right. Yeah. 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 So many of the women definitely have an outward focus and they're like, what can I do? And especially this season, I really noticed a lot of women who are just really trying to build West Virginia up as a whole. Right. I mean, there's kind of Mm -hmm. like the smaller community or smaller niche that they're within, but then they also just feel really strongly about the potential in West Virginia and the ways that they want to uh, promote it and help retain people here is another thing that I've noticed in a lot of the interviews is the challenge of our declining population and the ways that people are trying to address that in so many different ways, like generation West Virginia, trying to build networks for young people, um, and West Virginia living, trying to change the way that, um, West Virginia is viewed in the media. Um, so that was my most recent interview that's going to be coming out next week. Um, but, um, yeah, people are doing so much work to try to change their immediate community and the broader state level community. Man. That's so good. So are there, yeah, has there been, have you, have you heard a story from someone yet that has like on a personal level, like particularly either surprised you or just really inspired you in a way that you weren't maybe expecting going into the, to the interview? Yeah. I think Rosemary Ketchum, my interview with her, I was so excited to have the opportunity to do and her stories definitely inspirational for me. Uh, She experienced homelessness for a time um, and she now is a city council person in Wheeling. Um, She's the first transgender woman to be elected. um, And she has such wonderful energy and passion for the work that she's doing as a city council person uh, for her community in Wheeling. And in a state where it can be uh, challenging to be uh, transgender mm-hmm. and in addition to the challenges of uh, living in poverty here and pretty much anywhere, right? Um, mm-hmm. She really persevered and used those experiences to um, motivate herself to work towards change and um during the interview, I just was, just was uh, so 
awestruck, I guess, by the way that she viewed her work and her life in such a positive way. Mm. Um, so Rosemary's definitely one that yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, has stuck with me. I think about Rosemary often <laughs> yeah. and hope to meet yeah. her in person someday. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's we're in this weird space where we talk to these, we have these really kind of intimate conversations with people. Um, you know, as we produce podcasts and, and it's so, in so many cases, it's someone that you still have never met in person, you know, that, yeah. um, that you have this sort of virtual relationship with. Yeah. 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 I think I've only ever met two of the folks in person who I have interviewed so far. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of people who I've met and we've said, you know, let's get together in person right. <laughs> uh, eventually someday. Hopefully we can connect. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like it's it's good that we have this digital space that we can connect with people, but it's also strange to have those relationships without that physical interaction. Yeah. Yeah. This is random. Have you guys seen the movie Real Player One? This ready like, player one ready player one thank you i was way off um have no, you seen okay. it yes okay I have. joe have you seen it no I, i'm aware of it but i haven't it's seen it's it. actually really good um yeah 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 who, who direct, that was directed by uh spielberg right um i think he produced or directed it but anyways it's a whole society based on virtual like they, they live in this game and now with with Facebook, you now turned Meta, and they're doing this big push on Oculus and virtual. I'm like, oh my god, this movie's becoming a reality. Like we're going to live, <laughs> we're going to live in Zoom and uh, and the uh, Oculuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit frightening. It is. <laughs> yeah. I actually got to meet that author Ernest Klein and see oh, his wow. DeLorean when I was in grad school. Fun, no fun way. random fact about my life. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. wow. That's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> now I was going to, um, um, Amy Jo Hutchinson, who has yeah. been on our podcast and on yours yes. is another one of those people that just blows me away with her story and her like perseverance. And, um, yeah. Brandon, I've been thinking we need to get, um, Amy Jo back on and, um, she's got this rattle the windows site up and running since we last had her with us. And, yeah. um, but yeah, just thinking about the, the guests that you've had, Alicia and these, like, it's, it's humbling in a lot of ways. Um, for me, anyhow, as, as a white guy in West Virginia, tr mm -hmm. trying to learn something, um, to just, to know, um, I guess how, how deep the prejudices run that mm. so many of our women are working against. Cause it's, yeah. it, it's, it's those intersections, right? Uh, it, it's, it's not just, you know, coming up against the patriarchy, but it's also Appalachian patriarchy, which is its own sort of, mm. and, and I know other regions have that kind of thing. Like that's not unique, um, but it is to us. Right. And there, all of these kind of, you know, Barriers, I guess, for lack of a better term, that that so many of the women that you've talked to have uh, have overcome or are in the process of are overcoming. I guess is uh, what I'm babbling around with not enough coffee in my system. To say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, can you can you um, can you unpack that a little bit? Like um, just kind of across the board, um, the stories of overcoming uh, some of the barriers that that we keep throwing out in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. They really seem to, uh, 
intersect with one another too, the obstacles that sometimes people face. Um, and I'm glad you brought up Amy Jo Hutchinson and Joe actually introduced me to her, which led me to interview her. So <laughs> That's right. I we, forgot about that. You know, yeah. that was I would the... like to think, this is humble brag, I would like to think both of our podcasts is what Jon Stewart heard to have Amy Joe on his new show and <laughs> Almost podcast. certainly. I think, Almost. I mean, humble brag. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be humble right now, but I think it was our, <laughs> our collective podcast, he listened to him and said, I need to get Amy Joe on this. It wasn't the YouTube video that she that yeah. went viral. It wasn't that. It was <laughs> yeah, no. We scooped Jon Stewart. Yes. <laughs> By the way, her episode on that was amazing. It's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I still need, I need to get access to it, to watch it. I'm excited for it though. I, I'll, I'll make that happen over my break here. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that the obstacles of the women I've faced really vary. Um, some of the women who I've interviewed, um, their obstacles are more logistical, like in terms of uh getting their dream funded or getting it mm. off the ground or not getting buy-in from folks until they'd really gotten started. Um, because resources can be tight, uh, especially in West Virginia, especially in Appalachia to uh, kind of get these projects going. Um, whereas other women have faced uh, challenges because of their position in life or various identity factors like their socioeconomic status or um, their sexual or gender identity, um, uh, sexuality or gender identity. So um, I think what's interesting though, is despite those different obstacles, the women that I've interviewed um, have found ways to uh, embrace their, themselves um, to work through the challenges. Um, and I'm someone who can be <clears throat> a, a pessimist in some areas and an idealist in others. Uh, but when it comes to like starting projects, I'm like, oh gosh, like that sounds like a lot of work. Like, I don't know if I can get that off the ground. Um, that sounds like it probably wouldn't pan out. Um, but hearing from those women who said, uh, yeah, I decided to start this organization and it has really grown or I wanted to open this business and no one really believed that it would work, but then it did. Or I wanted to become a city council person and I made it happen um, is really, I think, important to see um, the ways that their obstacles um, are unique, but also um, intersecting and that they persisted through them. Yeah. It's so inspiring uh, in a lot of ways. And not in, like my friend, Chris Wiley, who's um, a leader in the, in the disabled community mm -hmm. as you know, talks about this, this concept of inspiration porn mm. um, where, you know, we, we, and when I say we, I mean the folks who society is sort of traditionally centered, you know, get inspired by, folks who are traditionally on the margins yeah, um, and then exploit that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, when I, when I talk about how I get inspired anyhow by the folks, the women you're interviewing, it's um, it's that ins inspiration to continue to break down these, um, you know, mores and social codes and all mm -hmm. of this stuff that, you know, the patriarchal systems mm -hmm. and, 
racist systems mm-hmm. and homophobic systems and structures and all of that. <clears throat> like that, when I listen to the woman on your podcast, I'm like, you, it, every one of them helps me do a little bit more of my work, mm-hmm. you know, to start to break that down. And I, that's why I think, personally, I think it's really important for men to be listening to your podcast, <laughs> right? Um, I really do. I mean, yeah. um, because we have a lot to learn, you know, and, and you're talking to women who are doing amazing work. And, and I think that helps us chip away at our own, you know, sense of privilege and all of those things that we need to dismantle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the power of narratives, right? It's like, yeah, hearing the kind of general ideas related to what it means to be a woman or what patriarchy is or what racism is doesn't often really stick with us. Right. But being able to hear the narratives of individual people is like one of the most persuasive things that we can encounter and really understand like, oh, this is how this um, social issue has impacted this individual. Like when it comes to Amy Jo, um, this is how she's experienced poverty in her life. And um, these are the ways that she feels like we can address it, right? Because I feel like the people who have experienced those things are often the best ones to be able to give potential solutions. Right. And so if we don't have those people in the conversation, if we're not aware of different people's perspectives, then we're really missing out on, um, understanding the issue and the ways that we might be able to go about to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. I have noticed in my own faith journey that what you just said was the very thing that I guess, in our podcast, we talk about deconstruction, reconstruction, um, yeah. but actually started slash helped slash was the common thread through it all was learning people's stories, you know, and, and, and yeah. for lack of better terms, I always say, I kind of put scripture on the shelf. I kind of put the Bible on the shelf and said, this is what I've been taught. Um, this is how my community has interpreted these scriptures. But for right now, that just has to go on the shelf because I'm hearing these stories from people that doesn't line up with what I've been taught. Mm -hmm. And I think you're so right about, you know, narrative is so much stronger than um, a PowerPoint presentation, you know, like, (laughs) uh, you know, like, I mean, Joe makes fun of me, calls me a millennial. I love documentaries. I want to sit and watch (laughs) the story of someone's life, right? The new one on HBO is about Kenny G. You know, (laughs) I started, I haven't finished it, but like. You know, I'm inspired by Kenny G. Like, okay, cool. That's weird. But have you noticed any, like, as you're doing your podcast, has um, your faith uh, journey and story, has it intersected as you're, as you're doing this podcast? Yeah. Um, and quick, quick aside, documentaries are just so good now. They're Come on, Joe. They are. They're not for millennials. I just to watch them. Like, the production <laughs> level is I, I so much I love documentaries. Better. Yeah. I just, it, I love them. I'm, I'm my my daughters love do- like when they're home they're watching documentaries and mm-hmm. stuff. I don't have the attention span. Like, <laughs> I I don't think it's generational so much as that it's just yeah. like no, my wife, my ADD does not allow yeah. me to. <laughs> yeah. My wife is the because I can same watch way. some and enjoy them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you're 100 percent right. So <laughs> so wait 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 sorry sorry Alicia let me let me pause. Joe, are That's you apologizing okay. to me? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you did you misinterpret that? I'm sorry, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have All you right. been waiting Unpause. on an apology, Brandon? I, ha- I have been. Apparently, he still is. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't consider myself a millennial. I'm in that weird gap of mm. 
gin, whatever that gin is before me and, and millennial and mm. hurt my feelings, Joe. I don't, <laughs> I, listen, I don't wear baggy jeans. Like I have not dove into the, the new, you know, the new, well, that's not, that's not millennial. That's the gin Y. So never mind. I take that back. But yeah, yeah. I've been harboring yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, Brandon. Um, Let's get back to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> wait, wait, we're doing a podcast? <laughs> um, I think that it does. Um, for me, my faith is a lot about um, like helping people in our communities and so as we were talking about, these women are doing just that and um, they're trying to address racist systems in their community or homophobic um, issues that they face or um, the socioeconomic injustices that are around them. And so all of those things I think are important to me and my beliefs and what I think we're supposed to be practicing in the world. And so um, while it's not an explicit part of my podcast so far, um, I do think that it kind of captures what I hope exists in the world. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, since I have my, in, I have my interest in utopia, right? And I feel yeah. like religion is kind of um, wrapped up in some of those ideas with Eden and heaven. And we have like yeah. these utopian ideals um, about what we want to obtain. And for me, I want to try to work towards those here. And I, I'm not saying I think utopia is possible, right. But that this idea of a better space and a better community um, and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of different people. And I feel like a lot of the women that I've interviewed are doing like a small thing to work towards that um, better place where people are more loved or more cared for or have more of what they need. Um, but I also want to uh, have more discussions about religion in my podcast because in West Virginia, in Appalachia, religion is such an important part of our um, lives. It's like a critical part of our communities. And I think sometimes the issues that I have been talking about can feel separate from religion, but there's so many people doing good work that um, bridges those two areas and shows how, um, yes, religion, um, some religious spaces and institutions and people do care about these issues and are doing work in those areas and um, can articulate how those intersect for, for them as well. Um, so I, I, that's a thing that I'd like to do more in the coming uh, episodes of the podcast too. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, and and it, it makes me think about how folks who are, are somewhere on the deconstruction spectrum, um, which is sort of the way I've, I've come to, to look at it, mm -hmm. it, a lot of that is it really has far less to do with letting go of a belief system and, and building a better one. Mm -hmm. Right. And. And I think one of the things a lot of people are starting to discover is like the lines that we've always been given between the sec secular and the sacred mm -hmm. are very, in reality, they're very blurry. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're interviewing 
um, somebody like Rosemary Ketchum or Amy Joe, for instance, and they're they're speaking truth to power, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, that that's should be, <laughs> you know, part of our religious values too, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and and a lot of us know the ways that that's been warped um, in various contexts, but like that that work is sacred work, whether you attach, you know, your particular brand of religion to it or not, right? It's, it's work that benefits the whole. And I think that's what a lot of us kind of in the deconstruction community are, are beginning to say is like this whole idea that religion's all about my own individual, you know, salvation, um, air quotes for people who can't see us on zoom, right? (laughs) Uh, you know, that that's what it's all about. And I think uh, there's a a great awakening Mm -hmm. through people deconstructing to say, no, it's really about how do we, how do we build these mutually beneficial communities of people? Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Growing up in the world of religion and then, I guess, professionally growing up in the world of academia, they can often seem like very conflicting worldviews. Um, But for me, I always saw the commonalities between them, right? About what they hope to be in like their best forms and in their best forms, they both want to be helping people, caring for people in slightly different ways. Right. But, um, I remember one of the first podcasts I ever listened to, um, and it's still running is called the Christian feminist podcast. And I literally cried the first time that I listened to one of their episodes because, um, I was like, yes, like they get it. Like they understand, um, the ways that these two different, uh, seemingly opposed schools of thought, uh, can have common ground. Right. And for them, that's like the flourishing of all people. And um, I've kind of taken on that mantra for myself as a kind of personal mission. Like I want to help other people flourish. Um, Mm. And um, I feel like it's a common idea between those different entities. This is this is the awkward piece where Brandon and I neither one know who's going to ask the next question. (laughs) Well, I want to ask this, but I, I thought it was, you know, rotationally it was your turn, but I'm dying to ask this question because <laughs> no, no, no. I think I, um, I perused the questions before, but apparently I didn't look at this one because this is the, I mean, everything's been great so far, but I love this question. All right. So time doesn't matter. Um, I'm adding to you the question, Joe, hopefully you're okay with that, which, um, so nobody but you and I can see, this I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so time doesn't matter. Alive, dead, doesn't matter. If you could interview any woman from West Virginia's history, um, who would it be and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, Thank you. I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) I did. did. Uh, Well, it makes me think of like, I've thought of doing a kind of historical write up alongside some of my current interviews just to Mm. kind of like capture some of those stories of women in the past. Um, I think that it would have been really interesting to interview um, Anna Jarvis, who started Mother's Day, because it's something that caught on so like wildfire. Right. Um, And I read that she like later came to regret it. So I think like hearing her thoughts on um, why she started it, how that kind of evolved over time would be really interesting. Um, I also think it would be 
really great to be able to interview some of our most prominent leaders now, like Shelly Morecapito, um, to kind of, because they're some of our most visible women in West Virginia, mm-hmm. um, Jennifer Gardner, right? Like in oh, the dream world. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you follow her IG? I don't know. <sighs> Joe, do you follow her IG? I, I do not know. <laughs> you need to. She has amazing, like funny videos and it's, it's awesome. She's a great, she's yeah. great. but yeah. she'd be a cool in the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also just missed, um, she recently passed away the woman from hidden figures and her name is Catherine. Um, what is her name? Um, she would have been great to interview. And actually my husband, Eric was like, you need to uh, start this podcast while you can still interview her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. That would have been um, really interesting to hear. Yeah. yeah. What an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I thought you were going to say mother Jones. That was sort of my, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although was, was she, was she from West Virginia? I can't remember now the history. I mean, she did a lot of organizing mm-hmm. um, for United Mine Workers and some of that in West yeah. Virginia. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember that as well. I can't remember where she actually resided. I'd have yeah. to look that up. If I ever but get the still opportunity a big to part travel of our through though. time and interview past women, I'll I'll make an exception for her either way. <laughs> I, I'm working on a new TARDIS out back here. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Drop a reference for the Doctor Who fans in the audience. Both of you out there. Yeah. Both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's next, Alicia, for for the Wild and Wonderful Women of West Virginia podcast? What's what's on the radar for you? Yeah. Um, well, I have a few ideas rolling around, so I'll kind of I can tell you about the ideas I'm contemplating. Um, well, I guess first is the, the second half of the second season. So that'll be coming after the new year. Um, I'm planning eight episode seasons, so I'll have four more, um, episodes, uh, and there's one more coming out next week. So, um, the fourth will be, uh, emerging soon. Um, I've thought about having some different seasons on slightly different topics. Like I've thought of one that focused on, uh, women business owners in the state. So I may pursue that. Um, I've also thought about having one focused on, um, kind of motherhood, uh, since we call West Virginia, the mountain mama state and, and um, and the home of mother's day and the home of mother's day. Um, and it's, I think an important aspect of women's experiences too. Um, in addition to community work and um, their business life. And so I think that could be an interesting thing to pursue in more depth. Um, And I uh, have also been thinking about ways like to give women an opportunity to connect with each other more. Um, Right now, it feels like that would be most feasible just through social media, making a group Mm -hmm. for people to join. Um, but, um, you know, wild and wonderful women 
is not limited to the people that I have interviewed. And so there's like, you know, everyone, every woman in West Virginia uh, is wild and wonderful, right? In some way. Um, and so being able to bring those people together in some way, I think could be um, an interesting thing to pursue. But I'm not sure how to do that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a cool idea, though. Yeah. yeah. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. I've also thought about broadening out eventually to, um, wild and wonderful women across Appalachia. Um, my, my official name is just wild and wonderful women, but on Instagram, I'm wild and wonderful women of West Virginia. Um, cause wild and wonderful women was already taken. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, I think the name is tied to West Virginia, of course, and that's where my primary interest lies. Cause it's where I grew up and where I reside now. But, um, I think Appalachian areas have so much in common with one another that um, expanding it to that level of focus would still be really relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's sort of that renewed interest right now, you know, in, in the Appalachian region and, yeah. um, you know, how I I was just having uh, a conversation with a friend yesterday about, you know, how often um, folks from the outside, get interested in Appalachia and, and invest, you know, in various projects and infrastructure things. And then, you know, two or three years down the road, nothing's happening. And they like, everybody gives up because like, we're a tough nut to crack. Appalachia yeah. is a tough, there there's the, the depth of cultural things that go on here is, is pretty massive, you know, and um, there's, there's not a lot of, there's no silver bullet answers you know, to, to the issues here. But, um, but I love that, that people like you and, and the women you're interviewing are, are chipping away at that and starting to break down some of those stereotypes and, and lift up, you know, the value that comes from Appalachian culture and heritage too, that we have a lot to offer yeah. uh, to the world. And I think especially our women have a lot of, to offer to the world. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many of us uh, really care about other people. Uh, we're, friendly folk. <laughs> we um, really want good in our communities. Um, we want good for the children of our state. Um, and we're connected to nature because we grew up in it in many cases. Um, and so we have like a good, a good uh, realistic view on our reliance on the earth in a lot of ways. Mm, Um, And so, yeah, I think there's a lot that we in Appalachia can teach the rest of the world, a lot of good that we can model for other people um, that often gets overlooked. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well, thanks for doing your part, you know, to get, to get that voice heard out in the world. I I think it's really important. Um, So it, you know, if, if folks haven't heard your podcast yet, want to tune in, where can they find you? How can folks connect with you? All of that stuff. Yeah. So um, I'm on Facebook at Wild and Wonderful Women on an Instagram at Wild and Wonderful Women of WV. Um, and then I'm on most of the podcast streaming services, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So any of those ways are good places to connect with me. Um, and definitely reach out if anyone has uh, ideas for people to interview or if you want to be interviewed, uh, let me know. Um, But definitely follow along so you can see what new episodes are coming out. 
Excellent. Excellent. That's yeah. The, the most recent one that, that you have put out yeah. as we're recording this um, was with my friends, uh, Gene Peters and Kim Williams. Yes. Um, up in Vienna, West Virginia, which is close to where you and I both live, Alicia. And um, two of my favorite human beings mm. in the world. So I can't wait to listen to that episode. And um, but there's just so many, uh, so many amazing stories that, that you're helping to tell. So really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. thank you for all the work that you all are doing. And I'm glad that you mentioned them. That one was especially important to me because they're the first people that I've interviewed from our mid Ohio Valley community, which is kind of crazy to me. I'm like, why have I waited this long to do this? But um, it's, it's great to get to learn more about folks who are not just doing good in the state, but where I actually live, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the, in that sector, that little portion of the state. So, yeah. And they're awesome. They're fantastic they are, humans yeah. doing so yeah. much good. <laughs> I, I could plug the episode without even yet having heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm, I know that we're good friends and I, I love their stories. So yeah. 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 That's great. Well, Alicia, thanks so much yeah, thank for, for being with us here today. Um, I'm, I'm again, I'm just blown away by the, your podcast and, and the amazing guests that you've had on there and uh, just keep up the, the great work um, and let us know how we can help you, you know, um, get your support out there in the world. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for, um, all the people that you've interviewed as well. I've listened to so many of the episodes and, um, it's always good. Like Brandon was saying to hear other stories, other people's narratives, um, in my own journey of deconstruction and reconstruction and, um, grappling with so many of these, um, religious and social issues that you all tackle. So thank you too. Well, thanks. Thanks. We appreciate that. And we appreciate you, um, folks, as always, you can find Accidental Tomatoes um, on the interwebs at AccidentalTomatoes.com. Um, social media world, we're just at Accidental Tomatoes. You can find us anywhere out there. And uh, and if you appreciate the work that we're that we're doing and you want to support us, um, you can do that through Patreon. Uh, just go to Patreon.com slash Accidental Tomatoes to learn more. Brandon? Great interview, my man. <laughs> it was a good one. There he goes. I, I was I was jumping in there. Um, I can't wait for this one to get out. This is going to be really good uh, for everyone to listen to. But so until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us again for another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. Bye.